Welcome to the Sacred Emergence Podcast. I'm your host, Michelle Wong, and I'm so thrilled that you're here. This is a place where you'll be guided to living your most aligned life so that your truest, most radiant self can emerge. We'll be jamming on topics ranging from spirituality, entrepreneurship, to wellness and lifestyle design, and everything in between that can support you to grow, evolve, and shine, all the while not taking ourselves too seriously. So if you're ready to step into your leadership, break through limiting beliefs, own all of who you are, and expand in abundance, grab yourself your faith cup of tea, and let's dive in. Hey, hey, welcome to the final interview in the men's series. Uh, Today's episode is a men's panel, and it's actually going to be split up into part one and part two. Um, And this interview slash men's panel is actually a bonus episode. By the time I interviewed both Marcos and Teddy, um, I pretty much wrapped up the men's series, but I had such a great conversation with both guys after yoga class one day that I was like, you both need to come on and, uh, you know, be part of the men's series. So it is a wonderful conversation. Uh, Part one is more around uh, both Teddy and Marcos's experience growing up as as men and their relationship to being men uh, in the U.S. And part two is more around relationships with women. Um, And I would say part two is a little bit more rated R. And so super fun conversations. Um, I also forgot to ask the men to introduce themselves in the beginning. So you'll hear more about their background towards the end of part two. Um, but so you know who is who during the interview, I'll give you a, a heads up of who they are right now. So Teddy is the first one who speaks when I uh, start the interview. And Teddy is in his early 50s. He is married, has two children. Uh, Marcos is in his early 30s and he's a bachelor. He also has a newsletter Substack account um, that if you want to learn more about his writing and connect with him, um, his link for his Substack is in the show notes. I really enjoyed talking to both guys. Um, it was very heart-centered. We went deep and uh, it was very, just very fun conversations. So I trust there is something for you here. And if you feel called, please share this with someone who you think can benefit. Um, or you can share it on social media and tag me at michellewong.xo on Instagram. And yeah, without further ado, here is part one of my conversation with Teddy and Marcos. So hello, everybody. Welcome to the Sacred Emergence podcast. Today's episode is unique in that uh, we are recording this live in my living room with two amazing guys. And this is like a bonus <laughs> Because I finished the men's series and I was like, oh my gosh, you're talking after yoga. And I was like, you guys need to come onto my podcast. And uh, so welcome Teddy Johnson and Marcos Del Valle. Did I pronounce that? That's good. That's good. No, I I botched it. Del Valle. Uh Cool. Um, Glad to be here. Yeah. Thank you and welcome. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah. um, So... Well, let's kind of like set the set the um, scene. So yesterday after your class, we were just talking and well, the conversation led to, um, well, I was talking about like, oh, I wanted to hold like breath work for, because I had this 
in my mind that like men and I was talking about like the most privileged men right so like straight white <laughs> American and I was like I feel like they can probably benefit from breath work because I don't know like and then Teddy you said something about like your observations around vulnerability and like there's that opportunity so I would love to hear your perspective and I was thinking like this conversation is beyond just like okay like I wanted to hear from a woman's perspective about talking to white men but I was like this is beyond just white guys right like these are just men who grew up in America so I would love to hear both you know Marcos and yours Teddy's perspective yeah yeah I mean I can start I think it goes back to something I heard, which I thought was the absolute most ridiculous thing ever. It was, I think it was like a New York Times piece on these investment bankers in New York who basically were, you know, losing their minds because they weren't getting their multi-million dollar bonuses, right? And the situation was that, you know, it first it sounds like you have world's smallest violin, right? But then what you realize is that these people have just sunk themselves into debt and expenses that just meet the level of where they are, right? So they're supposedly like power brokers of the world, richest people on the planet, um, but they've gotten themselves into like yachts and there's a staff and the kids go to schools that, you know, it's like $100,000 a year. And so they were whining. It was like uber rich, uber rich, whiny white men and you're just like how are these people whining right mm -hmm. and I think the thing that I was thinking about is that even people who are in positions that are perceived to be you know powerful or in control like they get zero sympathy like I'm gonna have zero sympathy for some investment banker who was getting like a five million dollar a year bonus and instead it was like a hundred thousand or they didn't get it that year it's like give me a freaking you know but what it really means is that that person no matter what they've got or what they had or where they are like no sympathy but in their mind they're still struggling right and i think just men in general are just expected to just kind of step up and do stuff so you know I don't have like a $5 million a year bonus, which I did, but there still often is very little sympathy um, and there's very little expectation that men will talk to people about whatever is going on. Um, and I think that's, Marcos, how we got into this. Like, I realized I, I don't really have any men friends who don't talk about their feelings. Um, and I have mostly women friends and I realized it's because of that. Like I, I talk to people who talk about what's going on for them in their lives and their feelings. Um, and it seems like it's not as common that men get to do that. Mm. Yeah. Does that sound like that tracks Marcos? Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, it resonates for sure. And um, yeah, I was, I don't know, I was raised by, a single mother and uh, my older brother and uh, my dad just like wasn't really around too much in early upbringing and um, I don't know how much that plays a role but just like watching my mom go through like dating and going through like a second failed marriage and like kind of just like all this stuff and just like really seeing it from her side and her 
always being really open and really vulnerable with my brother and I about just like where she's at and uh, how she's feeling and all these things. And even though at the time I couldn't really kind of make sense of all of it, um, it had really given me a sensitivity to just vulnerability and feelings. And uh, likewise, as Teddy said, um, growing up, a lot of my friends were women and were female and like, uh, because of that, just because it was, I was just always used to talking about feelings, you know? And even now, like, I don't know, I see it with most of my male friends, um, are probably similar and then there's like the offshoot of friends where we just like share like a hobby or something but there's no real like um depth in the friendship you know and I feel like that's what um being able to be vulnerable and talk about feelings gives you is that depth and like that layer of uh or just like a deeper level of connection with your friends and your community yeah yeah, I think like that's the piece where that was what motivated me to do the men's series because I was like, there's, I feel like there's that, that block somehow. But I, but also I, I feel like guys, from my experience, they won't just open up. There has to be a level of trust versus women. Like, what is it's like you know it's easy to just start like talking and chatting and then let the conversation roll um and so like does the skepticism kind of radar go up when there's conversations around vulnerability or like what at what point do like hearts open what point do hearts open yeah like for deeper conversations because it's like how how do you know, like, if you're like at a basketball club or whatever, it's like, oh, I can't talk to these guys. Like, when it seems like most guys can benefit. Yeah, I feel like I'm, I'm like hungry for it. Like I, like especially in a setting like that, you know, it's like you could see all the like the tough faces and all the like the closed off energy. And then when you see someone who is willing to have like more of a conversation, it's like, ooh, this person, you know, and. Uh, yeah, so to answer the question, I feel like it's it's not like a like a trigger where it's like, okay, now it's okay. It's like I'm always kind of wanting that. I wonder if it's also kind of like a game of chicken, you know, like <laughs> who's gonna say something vulnerable first, you know? Yeah. I mean, because people have feelings, right? Like all people have feelings. And you know, there's a lot of people just like they just never talk about their feelings, like ever. And I I have to say, I don't understand it, right? Like, how do you just bottle all that up? Because life can be a lot, you know? And I feel like I've been really fortunate to have people around in my life who I can talk to, you know, the whole like, hey, get a therapist. I'm like, I have been really fortunate to have just my parents or friends who I would tell them anything, you know, and they're not trained. Unfortunately, they wouldn't give me like crazy advice, but you know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. I think to not have somebody you could talk to about stuff is, I think that would just be incredibly isolating and just scary, you know? And also, you know, to your point, Marcus, it's kind of like, am I going to sit here and just like talk to this guy about this game and the game's going to be over and then I'm not going to care? Or should I have a conversation that actually will be memorable? or that will matter you know, like 
Oh, I think it's kind of a waste of time. Yeah. <laughs> like having surface seat conversations. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think it's small talk. Yeah. Um, the the plain chicken made me think there's been just countless occasions where I'm like in a group of guys and like I'll just start saying like, oh, I feel this, this, and this. And like you'll see the eyes of like them all like kind of looking at each other and like, like, is it okay? You know, like there's this uh you know this reluctance like oh who's gonna who's gonna respond who's gonna keep this conversation going or should we shut it down you know <laughs> like it's like this this tension that kind of comes up and usually it's fine and someone will take it but there's just like this moment of mm. like like oh no you know it's interesting that you use the word chicken like the word chicken because i was at first i was like chicken and the egg like what do you mean by chicken oh. but you're talking about like like to bring up something vulnerable so i think that's interesting you know what i'm just thinking about this because somehow in this conversation we're having after yoga we were also talking about fighting which is like a weird thing to talk about but i've had this notion that like the stronger i am the weaker i can allow myself to be Mm -hmm. right so like it's I have no, so like if you were the nerdy kid who got beat up a lot, and Marcos, in your situation, that kid were to bring up something really vulnerable, they can very easily get kind of like just physically, literally pushed, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's the kind of thing guys would do. It's like, ah, shut up. You just like push somebody. Like mm-hmm. I'm a boy too, right? Like play rough, right? I could see that happening. But if there's no chance of that happening, happening and you're one of the tougher people in the circle, like, none of the downside of getting bullied that's not even on the table right like there's no risk to you physically there's no risk to you just like getting intimidated or you know whatever so i wonder if that's part of it you know yeah i'm sure it is um yeah because i mean just i don't know just like the discipline of the martial arts but also being able to uh yeah, knowing that you can defend yourself and stuff like this, it does give like a level of confidence. And um, yeah, like I'm not, I'm not really afraid of pushback, you know. Yeah. And um, yeah, that's a really good point. Mm, that's interesting because it's like um, with like other interviews I've had, there was you know talk about like I guess being more of the I don't know like like more of the softer kind of like the nice guy where it's like maybe like a lack of respect versus like what you guys are talking about is like there's always already this internal confidence and like physical strength so it embodies that more of that masculine energy and so it's like well there's that energetic backbone right so I think energetically when you bring vulnerable conversations whatever to the table other guys can sense like oh like this is someone I respect that I can have this conversation with versus like you're saying that a kid who's always beat up it's like go away like I think there's a level of respect that is kind of inherently part of it that's maybe not spoken yeah yeah I I mean I also too grew up in a very matriarchal matriarchal family and In our family, uh, using intuition to make a big decision was very well respected. Like, you know, a lot of people just want to be all analytical. And if the numbers look right, they'll say, yes, that makes sense. Um, 
but in my family culture, if somebody just felt like this is the right thing to do, even if they couldn't really articulate the rationale, it'd be like, yeah, okay, you know? And so I think part of this too is just seeing that way of being as strength, like seeing openness with your feelings and just what's going on with you as a strength, like not as a weakness. Um, I think for me, that's a big part of it too. Yeah. Uh, I think it's also like the, cause you came from that. So it wasn't like, it's like that internal belief of it. Yeah. It's really fascinating around like, um, like years ago, I went to like this, um, it was called like the workshop originally was called uh, Understanding Men and Celebrating Women. It's uh, created by uh, Alison Armstrong who wrote the book Queen's Code. And we had a men's panel, but what was really interesting is that there is like this inherent level of respect where the younger guys look to the older guys. And like, they always like looked like when they were like the younger guys are answering questions, they would always look to the older guys to kind of like, did I get it? Like, and I, and women, we don't do that. And so I just think it's interesting. Like there's this level of like respect for the elder in a way. And it was like when, after the men's panel was over, like the facilitator, like she called, like she was like, do you all notice that? Um, how like men, like they have respect for like, cause they, it's almost like, I don't know. And I, I was like, oh, that's really cool. Cause women don't do that. Um, I think my point is like, well, the whole point of that workshop was really like understanding men versus like, you know, we want men to be hearing women. Like, you know what I mean? Like, why aren't they understanding me? But like men think differently, they operate differently. And there's a reason, there's a good reason for it. I'm just curious, like, how does that resonate with the whole, like, like the elder and like the respect? Because I feel like that's, Kind of underlying. I, I think that there's definitely codes, and I think there's also like a deference, you know. Um, and there's also a pecking order. Yeah. You know, I had this really weird experience where, and I've just noticed I do this. I don't know why. Whenever I'm in a room of guys, like I figure out like, you know, what's the pecking order? Like, who could I fight? Who could I fight? Like, this is just the weirdest thing. Like, I don't know why I do this, but I just do this. And there was a man who's trans or they were, you know, perhaps transitioning. But I think, you know, they appeared to be, you know, assigned female at birth, but had very much of a masculine um, presentation. And their presentation was masculine enough for me to put them in my pecking order calculus, mm. right? Mm. And it was, I have been so strongly trained, like you never fight a woman, you never hit a woman. And it was messing with my head because I could tell they were assigned female, but they were coming into my like fight pecking order considerations. <laughs> and it was just, I was like, ah, what do I do, right? You know, but I, so that was like the most poignant, like alarm bell that like, what am I doing? Like, what are we doing? Like, why would guys go into a space and be looking to others or be thinking about like, where do I stand? Or if I do this, what does it mean? You know, like, 
would I be looking to those older guys too? You know, like, why do we do it? I don't know. So maybe the need is for guys to understand themselves. Like, why do we do what we do? Yeah, um, your story, Michelle, made me think of um, like why those younger guys were looking to the older as uh, just like the father figure. You know, mm-hmm. it's like we're always looking for, or I won't speak in uh, super generality, but at least I see it a lot in in my generation. But there is like a lack of like strong father figures, mm-hmm. and like there's always this like. Um, I don't know, this like desire or this need to have that like approval from like an older male, um, especially if you didn't get that a lot when you were younger. So, you know, the, I just think about those like younger guys in the panel, just like, did I do, did I do good? Yeah. I got the thumbs up, you know, they're just looking for that, that external confirmation and that like, um that father approval you know yeah yeah like a pat on the back you know like I remember even at work you'll hear people talk about you know yeah yeah everybody really liked that like I got a good pat on the back and you're like wow this is work you should have gotten some money like that's all you got but like a pat on the back was really you know like that kudos that respect that was like that was really big you know you know like that's you know it's interesting because like i think like corporations it's more it's structured on like a patriarchal like there's a hierarchy right there's a ceo and all that and it's like yeah even talking about the reward compensation i like how you said well you should have gotten money for that but it's like i remember when i was at like one of my as you know my corporate jobs it was like we were in training and it was like compensation doesn't have to come just in the form of money like you could get like how do you like what resonates with you in terms of like accolades and feeling good and a lot of it is recognition and validation and also it's like yeah and the money mm-hmm. <laughs> like come on let's be real don't don't go you know cheap on us <laughs> yeah you know yeah you know accolades are cheaper right you know so they can get away with like oh you get the gold star a little certificate like i remember i got stars in school like if you did your homework you get like a star and if you got enough stars they would tell your parents that you got all these stars and they're like oh get some stars you know <laughs> where's the candy I don't, right. I don't, like i don't think we ever actually outgrow that mm. yeah you know that's really interesting i um i feel like well i wanted to talk a little bit about the whole vulnerability piece and like not having the father figure per se. I don't know. There's something really interesting there because like this, this idea of this panel started when, or just the series started. Cause I was, I had this belief, like as men heal, then they can have support women, <laughs> right? Like there's like more like, Hey, let's all rise together. Um, but it's like, I don't know that's that's pretty deep of like looking meeting wanting and I think it also goes back maybe in the caveman days of like I don't know like survival and like being able to support oneself and then you're talking about fighting Teddy around like like can I like I think that's an instinctual thing I remember I'm just thinking as you're saying this I remember being taught how to not cry oh interesting and you're nodding too okay we've never yes. no i i haven't oh, oh. That, that wasn't a thing okay i don't know yeah no for me i remember it's i was like 
eight, nine, 10. It's like, how do you not cry when you get hurt, right? Mm. And it's not even taught to not cry. It's so presumed that a boy shouldn't cry yeah. that it was like older brother. Oh yeah, well, or friends are like, yeah, I just get angry or I get da, da, da. And it was, I remember a group of us talking about like, what are your strategies like to not cry when you're hurt? Wow. Yeah. That's like, that's definition of like toxic masculinity, right? Yeah. I mean, how do you not honor your feelings? Mm -hmm. That's really hard. Yeah. Because that's suppression. And then it comes out as anger. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I remember actually it was in my early 20s. Oh my gosh. I remember I was watching Shawshank Redemption. Oh, that's a great movie. In the theater by myself. And I was just like, and I started tearing up and I was like, that's the first time I cried in like 10, 12, 15 years. Wow. And I was like, what does that say? Mm. You know? Mm. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of like suppression. And I don't know, when I was when I was like really young, I was like super uh emotional and like very crybaby. Um, but yeah, as I got older and just, I don't know, just through like the world around me, you know, and even my older brother and stuff, it was just like, that's just the norm. And, you know, I, and when I would see my dad, it was always like very, I don't know, like he always just had like this very like stern, just like very like solid base. And I've only ever seen him cry one time. And it was when my grandma passed away, but it was just like so little, like it was just like just a couple tears and that was it. Um, and yeah, I don't know. It's just like, yeah, it's just like embedded in the culture just, just to not do that and to not like, especially in public, you know? Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, I don't know, it's interesting. How does that make you feel? Yeah. Like to like not be able to cry in public? Like, what is that? Like, I'm I mean, it's curious. kind of crazy, right? Like you think about it, I mean, eyes want to tear up. Like, I mean, even just physiologically, it's kind of messed up that you're shutting down this system mm -hmm. and like natural response. And then the fact that you're constantly like maintaining it, right? Like you're constantly keeping it at bay or like you make sure the training has been deep enough so it never happens accidentally, right? Like, I mean, it's like emotional constipation. You know? yeah, I mean, totally. <laughs> and it causes a lot of like short temperedness. Yeah. And, like, you know, a lot of like rash. Um, just like actions, you know, and, yeah. you know, it's like, could be like the source to like, the first thing that popped in my mind was like, like domestic violence mm. and just like violence of any kind, right? It's just, you know, it's all this stuff that's just pent up and then like one thing kind of like tips things over and then you're just like want to explode because you have years, like so, so much time of like just so much stress just built up mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, and you just like want to explode. It's interesting that you said emotional constipation because that's something I never even really like. I would never use those terms. But as I was writing this copy for breathwork, I mean, in this class, it's all guys. They're reading my copy. <laughs> and like, I'm like, you guys are all guys. I don't think my copy is for you. Like, I'm thinking that because one of the guys offered emotional constipation. I'm like, I would never use that. But you used it. And so is that pretty like common? <laughs> Just to suppress 
Yeah, I'm saying like how many like we all need laxatives or like <laughs> yeah, emotional laxatives. Yeah, emotional laxatives. Yeah. That's what you call your thing, emotional laxatives. Yeah. Oh, that's so <laughs> your, your therapist. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's hilarious. Um, how do you start crying again? I mean, you know, really, I think that might be. I think that's something that a lot of guys could relate to is that you just don't see guys cry um whether they feel that way or they don't whether they whether they subscribe to it or not like i think that's people would relate to that you mm -hmm. know and just why or how do you make it possible to cry again yeah that makes me think it's i don't know for me you know i've always been again not not wanting to speak in absolutes always but for a, a long time it's um, I've been in touch with my feelings and I'm like comfortable with myself enough to where like I can cry, but I physically like can't like it's like it is hard and it's like I, I, when I feel the need to cry, I like really have to force it out mm -hmm. and even then sometimes it still doesn't come out. Mm -hmm. So it's just like it is it is blocked, mm -hmm. you know. I uh, felt this like if it coaxes it out, like you're like, no, it's good to cry. It's like, yeah, yeah. Like, it's, like, okay. it's okay. Yeah. This would be good. And it's like, I, I know that, but it's just like, it's still there. And yeah. I don't know if that's just like, it's just how deep that, that cultural wow. um, thing is. But what woman would support that, right? Like, I think as enlightened as I want to think I am, right? Or it may sound because of the things I'm saying, right? Like, I still would have in my head. What woman would support that, right? Like, would I feel, what woman would I feel I could be with and they would support that in a way that would make me feel safe and cared for and, and comforted, you know, to actually be the one to encourage me to cry, right? That's really interesting because I was, um, you know, Brene Brown, um, uh, she wrote, during greatly so she's a, a therapist or a psychotherapist anyways she's done a lot of research and uh, she wrote she writes a lot about vulnerability and she has like this TED talk that went viral but I was listening to one of her audio books or just audio talks and she was saying how she was at a signing a book signing and the woman loved all the books and she was with her daughter and husband and then so, you know, Brene signed the book and the husband kind of hung around after and the wife was like, come on, let's go. <laughs> and Brene was sitting there and she was thinking, oh my God, like, please go, please go, please go. Because she knew like the husband was wanting to say something and he wouldn't. So like he said, you know, it feels like when you're writing about vulnerability, it's all for women. How about men? And Brene was like, oh, that's easy. My work is for women. Like, I don't work, I don't, I don't do men. <laughs> and he's like, well, that's really convenient because my wife and my daughter, they would be so crestfallen to see me fall off the white horse. Like there's like he's put on this, like, you know. But I wonder if that's like projected or if that's real real yeah exactly yeah but that goes to like that's but it's interesting because what you were saying petty around like is it safe right for me to show emotion with a woman and i think there is this underlying like we can't we don't want our men to show vulnerability so it's like it's even upheld in not even just within guys or among guys but like the dynamics of 
a relationship would you I don't know do you think that's true I mean I know it's all different it's not a generalization but I'm kind of going through women I know and I, I would say that there are some that it's true for and some that it's not um but I think it's I think it's very clear in the relationship you know that it would be supported or not oh okay yeah 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 I agree I've um yeah like my like closest friends that are uh, like closest female friends or um it's my like most recent partnership even now I would feel comfortable um knowing that I'd be supported and heard yeah heard I was talking to somebody the other day and I was like gosh I feel so heard when I talk to you mm -hmm. You know, and it just like blew me away. You know, I was like, man, this is... <laughs> we gotta hang out. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Hey, hey, just taking a break from my conversation with Marcos and Teddy to share that this upcoming Sunday, November 19th at 4 p.m. Pacific time, I'm leading a virtual breathwork group. And the theme is breathwork for clarity. If you felt maybe stuck, overwhelmed, wanting next steps in life or business, this is the place for you. Or if you just want to come and breathe and have your own intentions, that is very welcomed. And if you've never experienced breathwork before, this is a beautiful place to start. And um, participation in this breathwork for clarity, the payment can be applied towards spacious December edition, which details are also in show notes and I'll talk about again soon. Um, anyways, we'd love to have you and it is open for everybody, both breathwork and spacious. Details are all in show notes and now back to the show. I want to, I also want to talk about like consent because that came up when we were talking yesterday, but it's like if guys aren't getting the respect like if guys aren't being respected then i don't know there's this power over right in relationships and like romantic relationships but even i would say outside of romantic even in like a working relationship there's there can be like a power over if guys aren't heard respected right like right yeah if you're if you don't have a, a voice like a strong voice you know right. if you're if you're doubting yourself then it's like oh yeah you could just like kind of walk over this person or like you know you it it diminishes any credibility you know if you're if you're not speaking with confidence and not um yeah just like being really composed and confident in what you're saying in in like the work setting uh, i could see that yeah sure. um can I touch on something I, yeah. I think is related? I think it does tie into like queer. Like I've been trying to understand like what does queer mean as my kids are growing up and, you know, being able to explore who they are. And um, one of my friends was talking about, you know, she's divorced now, but before she and her husband were divorced, we were talking about something and she's just, we were talking about, you know, I thought, so her ex-husband's friend I was like oh gosh the way they get along it seems like they're gay partners or something like that and she's like oh no you know they're, he's not gay I'm like oh, are you sure I lived in San Francisco for a while so I got pretty good gator like anyway, the husband the husband so then I was like I don't know about the husband and then and then she's like what she said to me was she's like 
I don't know if he's gay, but let's just say there is a spectrum, right? There's definitely a spectrum. And I think that the like the white horse or these establishment of roles, I think it does force like this black or white rather than allowing people to be on a spectrum. And I wonder if, you know, being able to explore, you know, gender mm. is more closely tied to an ability to be able to also explore feelings and connections with people and power dynamics, you know, um, because, you know, why does being male mean that you're supposed to be in charge? Mm, yeah. Like, and I've seen this in groups too, especially at work, right? Like if there's like one guy and, and four women, like somehow everyone will defer to the guy. Mm, interesting. Like there's some threshold, yeah. you know, like yeah. if it's like 10 women and one guy, the guy will just be like one of the group, but like it's some, there's a weird imbalance, you know? Yeah. I'm like, why that. is that? You yeah. Know? um yeah, gosh that's really interesting um <laughs> well there's so many layers to like like I think historically men have been like the breadwinner the provider so I think maybe like generationally subconsciously there is that like you know mm -hmm. like the guy the husband brings home the bacon which nowadays it's like that doesn't really but there's still like I I feel like I was talking about the way of the superior man book <laughs> yesterday, which I I read most of it. Um, I don't think you guys have read it, right? It's a little I've shared in previous episodes, like uh, what's his name, David Data. I mean, his voice irritates the shit out of me. It's very condescending. But a lot of people I spoke with who have, they're in really healthy relationships. Like they're married, really healthy. They're talking about polarity, right? Like masculine, feminine, not necessarily like male, female, but like masculine, feminine. And the more there's polarity, there's more like electric charge. Um, and where am I going with this? Oh, there's like, I think there's like expectations of like, if you're in the, if you're more feminine, and that tends to be, you know, in a heterosexual relationship, it tends to be the women, but not always. There's almost like wanting the guy to take the lead. Um, and like, I'm not lying, like, I'm not gonna lie, like, I love it when a guy I'm dating takes the reins. I'm like, thank God, like, I don't have to keep like leading, like, you know? And so there's something really, potent and powerful and it's like hot and it's like so I think it's not like it's not a black and white thing because the guy has to want to. <laughs> yeah yeah no I like the idea of like the spectrum and just like yeah not not being so so black and white about it um but going to that point about um I'm sorry what what did you just say um, when the guy takes the lead it's hot yeah oh yeah, yeah, yeah. when they like the taking the lead aspect you yeah know? like it's okay to be anywhere on that spectrum but I feel like that may be like tied to just like the I don't want to just say the role of the man but it's also like biologically what happens like testosterone like the active right. energy like that's the it's expected biologically that we're going to be like moving forward yeah. and trying to like make things happen and uh, I think that's just like something that's ingrained you know in in like 
Um, I don't know, thinking of, of polarities, there's like, I feel like male energy is more so like active where female can be more receptive. Right. Um, yeah. It's like, I mean, I don't agree with everything he said in the book, but I was like, this is, I mean, this is very like um, traditional roles. So I, it's, he's not talking about spectrum, like gender spectrum. It's very like, so I could see how not everyone would jive with it. Um but I just found it interesting because he was like, you know, if you want to be like the superior man, right? Like, obviously, you got to do your work and uh, not be afraid to die for the woman because you have a deeper purpose. Like, your purpose isn't your marriage. It's not to keep the wife happy or your partner happy, but you have a greater vision in your life. And I really liked that because it's like guys need a purpose. That's what he's saying. That has to be bigger than himself. So that he's willing to like die for that. Like, and I was like, whoa. That's very heroic. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I want to go back to like the heroism with women too, because there's so much that women do that's also heroic, you know, like truly heroic. And I think what you're saying, like I totally agree with. Um, but I think I think it I think everybody kind of has to be heroic, you know. And with regard to the polarity. I do think to some degree it's necessary because it drives procreation, mm -hmm. right? Like, because it doesn't make sense to procreate, right? Like, it's just too much of a hassle. Like, <laughs> the kids and like, it's just kind of a pain. But like, if it was only rational, like it wouldn't happen because it's like, on the face of it, it's really just a bad idea. <laughs> you know? But, but these polarities make it happen. You know, like these energies, you know, that draw people together, like trigger things, like make things happen, you know? For the sake of instinctual creating future generations. Yeah, I feel like that's like the, that's like the deep, the deepest like unconscious desire. Mm. It's like, it's just survival, right? Yeah. It's just uh, like me getting my seeds to survive. Right. It's, it's, that's goal number one, you know? I was talking to this woman about, because I had never understood women who thought that rich guys were hot. You know, because you see in a lot of movies, it's some like fat, dumpy dude who's got like the hottest woman on it. I mean, I'm like, this is just preposterous. And one day I was talking to one of her friends and she's like, no, I think money is totally hot. But like the way she said it wasn't just like, hey, I want to go out to a fancy dinner. I'm like, I want to go out to a fancy dinner. But she was like, no, like I get aroused when. I'm around a guy and I can tell that he has a lot of money. And I was like, okay, this is clearly a survival. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like right. he will yeah. provide yes, for me. Yeah, it's the provider. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And exactly. I was like, okay, I get it. Cause she meant it. I'm not that dude. So does that, do you feel like it puts a lot of pressure for a guy? If you don't want it, right? Like if you don't yeah. want to be that guy or you aren't already that guy, there's definitely a misfit yeah so i think that as long as she finds a rich guy it's great it but if you're not the rich guy yeah then it's bad news you know yeah it's definitely harder but i think that is like uh i don't know like a big push to just try to get rich you know it's like, like you know women's like get rich marry a rich guy you mean uh from like guys perspective just from like the the average male you know just like wants to get there to have the status and the nice car and like the thing to show oh. to like it's the like the status symboling right like having like the nice watch and like having 
the appearance of having a lot of money if they don't have a lot of money to to spark that that feeling you know mm -hmm. like oh this person can take care of me you know um and I, I don't think that's like thought out mm -hmm. in that way but it's it's definitely part of it you know and even just like culture and thinking about like a lot of music that's out and stuff you know it's like it's all about like having a bunch of money and making it rain and whatever but it's like <laughs> under under all of that yeah. it, it is that just the you know it's like if you have money that means you have resources that's house shelter you know food yeah. and like you'll you won't have to worry about that stuff yeah well this is a great like um around i i want to go into this topic i think it's fascinating and like paying for dates uh <laughs> providing um i so i have i have some thoughts on this and also like like me being a woman, right? Like being on the receiving end. Um, I think there's a lot to say around receiving and like if like I'll like, yeah, I'll, if a guy wants to pay for me and it feels good, then I'll say yes. Um, but I was listening to this podcast episode, um, this financial advisor um, was interviewing a male relationship coach for women. So he's a guy, but he, his clientele are women. Um, and he's very well known. And uh, this was like a YouTube clip that went viral um, of like this woman in that conference, right? They were paying to be in this thing. Um, and the woman asked, um, how do I get my date to keep paying for me? <laughs> mm. And I know you guys are guys. <laughs> yeah. And I'm listening to this. I'm like, oh, this is very interesting. Because I've always, like, when I go on dates with guys, I'm like, is there a point where, like, when do I contribute, right? Like, I'm always wondering. And it's always, I'll be honest, it's always nice when the guy's like, no, I got you. Like, to be provided for. It's really nice. Um, and his, like, so the coach's answer, the dating coach's answer, I was like, at the end, I agree with this answer. But I hate how he got there. Mm. It, so first, he was he misunderstood the question. He thought, "Oh, I thought she was asking like, how do I contribute?" But he's like, and then he realized, no, she's asking about how do I get more from him. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. and so he was like, "Um, are you expect like in this type of dynamic? Like, do you expect like would you get would you offer him sex? Like, so like I was like, wow, he went there, right? Like." Cause I think there's this expectation from guys, like if I'm paying for you, then I'm expecting sex. Like I, like there's that type of thinking. And, uh, and she was like, no, like she was kind of offended by that response. And then ultimately, and I'm looking at all your faces. Oh, um, ultimately he's like, look, like if we're talking about like true partnership, then it's not like, then you have to think about the other person, what's in the best interest. And then it comes to a conversation. It's not like take, take, take. So I, I valued that response. Um, but I also, from my perspective, I'll share, like there, it's way more complex in a way because culturally women are not being paid equally to the dollar, right? We have like, you know, and if it's like, if you're a woman of color and da, 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 the, the, the pay gap increases. So I'm like, there's a lot of complexity there. It's not, you know, but ultimately I agree with the partnership like let's let's talk versus how can I get more but I'm really interested in your guys' perspective because that's a lot all right so the conversation continues in part two 
where both Teddy and Marcos share their perspective and their opinions around my question in this context for paying for dates. So hop on over to part two. Cheers. To help you feel more supported and nourished in your body and nervous system, you're invited to download the free I Am Supported meditation in the show notes. May you feel grounded in who you are as you become the fullest expression of yourself. Thank you for listening to the Sacred Emergence podcast. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss an episode. And thank you in advance for sharing with those who can benefit. Until next time.